Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast, where we not only introduce you to amazing female change makers, but we also give you insights into their paths and how they have navigated to success. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, and this week's episode is sponsored by On The Dot, the creators of people-centric virtual conferences, events, and private virtual communities. To find out more, visit onthedotglobal.com. So today, I am so excited to introduce you to Hannah Rad. like what a cool name, first of all, who is a radio host, an on-air talent, and a content creator. Welcome, Hannah. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me, Melinda. As I always love to do to everyone, I make them go way back to talk about when you were growing up, what was your big dream? What did you think you were going to be doing when you grew up? Well, you kind of touched on a little bit in the intro there. I think I've always had a love of music, but I wanted to be on the radio growing up. I grew up in a really small town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and there wasn't a lot to do. But listening to like the top eight or eight countdown, I would like hover around the radio. I come from the old school where you're pressing like play and record at the same time on a double head tape deck to try and record the songs and record my own radio shows. And by the grace of God and a lot of hard work, sweat, blood and tears, I ended up on the radio in New York about 10, 11 years ago is when I finally got like my big break into radio there. So it, it happened. I manifested it from a very young age. Wow. And um, if only I could find those tapes now, that would be an interesting listen. Uncovering those mixtapes from days gone by, right? Yeah. Very cool story. You know, arguably what you're doing, you know, being on the radio, I think is, is maybe not as much anymore, but certainly pretty male centric and being a woman trying to break in. I would love for you just to talk about just some of the hurdles you might have faced and maybe some of the breaks that you didn't get because you are a woman and maybe because you were an LBGTQ woman, if that added an extra layer of challenge for you. I think so. I think there's kind of like a, a stigma and a stereotype around it that I've always been willing to break out of. I'm very fully capable and, you know, I own who I am and what my identity is as a woman, as a female, as a member of the queer community, as a woman in media too. Moving not only from radio into TV, those are certain kind of roadblocks and challenges that are just built into the industry. And I don't necessarily know I've always looked at them as challenges. I've looked at them as things that like, this is just what I deal with on the daily, whether it's in work or whether it's in my personal life and just walking down the street. So I've just kind of always held myself to the accountability of the work that I do and not how I do it because of whom I am. I'm an incredibly hard worker and I like to be seen for efforts that I put out there, the stories that I tell, and not necessarily because I'm a woman or I'm a female radio host. I always think it's funny because I DJ as well too. And some people are like, oh, I've heard this great female DJ. You talk about like a guy who DJs, you're never like, oh, I heard this great male DJ. He's just a DJ. Like that word doesn't come before it. So for me, I've tried to eradicate that in my vernacular. And also, like I said, in the work that I do. So it's important to me just to be consistent, be authentic and be vulnerable. And that's led me in my career over the past few years. When you talk about sort of getting your break, and you often hear about that in your industry. So how did you get that break and who gave it to you? Do you have a mentor or what did that look like for you? I gave it to myself. (laughs) Uh, I'm a very sufficient self-starter with a slight bit of control issues. So I wouldn't be willing to give that break over to anyone else to give it to me. When I first moved to New York, I was working in graphic design. That's what I went to school for. I went to a very small school right around where I grew up. I was on an athletic scholarship in their radio broadcast TV program wasn't as strong, but I always loved visual arts as well. So I was like, I'll go to school for design and I'll make my way to New York somehow. 
I got a job right out of school doing design. And at that time, I was like, okay, how am I going to position this into radio and TV? Started doing design for the big radio stations in New York and just lending my services. I was like, do you guys need a part-time voiceover actor for the commercials that you're cutting? Do you need someone to fill in on the weekend shift? Is anyone running late? Just kind of putting myself out there and really being persistent. I was writing a music blog at the time too. So I was just trying to get my face and my voice out there as best possible and not really waiting for anyone else to give me that opportunity. I do believe that I've had a lot of great success and blessings when it comes to moving from radio into TV because of the work that I've done. I would say if you were to position something as a big break, Puff Daddy came calling about five years into my radio tenure and he was like, by he, I say his people and along with his guidance, had asked if I would be interested in doing some TV work and had moved my career over into that path and became one of the original hosts on his network and was able to not only just be there because he said so, but I executive produced my own show for five seasons there as well too. I was like, I'm not just going to be there because you gave me this opportunity. Let me like move it up to the next level as well. That's awesome. Well, I think that's an interesting concept of sort of really creating what you want and going after it and not waiting for something to be handed to you. You know, that is a, a challenge in our world now. There's a lot of entitlement, right? There's a lot of, well, I mean, I, I did this, therefore I should, or I've worked here a year, I should get a promotion and, and that kind of thing. So I think it's a great message, you know, of how to keep on that path. I kind of fell prey to that over the past few years because I had gotten to such a high level of success and where I wanted to be in my television career that when I had actually moved to LA about two years ago after spending the better part of 15 years in New York, things kind of came to a crashing and it was almost like what happens when the music stops here I am left with looking for someone to give me a break in a new city create a whole new set of colleagues and people that I thought I could entrust and count on it just wasn't there and I think for a period of time you know I was grappling with that about just not creating something on my own and just waiting by virtue of slightly being a bit overconfident verging into coffee being like I've done this for so long someone's gonna come calling but that was me waiting and I, it was a bit of unfamiliar territory for me. So that's now where I'm at in this space where I'm able to create on my own and do things and get a message out there regardless if anyone gives it a shot or not. What was the impetus for moving to LA? Did you just feel like that was a natural progression in your career? Was it for personal reasons? I mean, it's a big move, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always kind of considered myself a woman of the world. I never really felt a close affinity to any one location. Like I said, grew up in a very small farm country town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Spent 15 years as New York being home base, but during that time, I've traveled to well over 40 countries and you know, spent 10 out of the 12 months of the year on the road and went back and forth in New York to LA, Miami, Chicago consistently. So I feel like I never really had like a proper place that I was like, this is the home, this is where I need to be. But in terms of my career and where it was going, I just felt like I kind of expended all of my resources in New York after 15 years of just calling that home base. And with the impetus of streaming and a lot of digital in Silicon Valley and tech happening on the West Coast, the Hulu's, Amazon's, Netflix's of the world are here on the West Coast, I felt like it was time for me to make a move just to try and see what would happen out here instead. Very exciting. Well, and speaking of kind of doing new things and like creating your own path, tell us a little bit about your new series. It's very much one of those things like we're talking about, just kind of doing it on my own. You know, I had had a really crummy day about three months ago and couldn't get out of bed. I saw the sun shining like through the window, but just like couldn't force myself to get up out of bed and, you know, get the day started. And it was very depressing and didn't know where I was going because of a period of in-between time, in-between gigs that I was working. 
And I just didn't want to feel like that anymore. And I think this was a buildup of the past two years of living in LA and trying to find that like next great big thing that I was trying to aim for. And woke up the next morning, got in the car, started driving, and I was like crying and singing along to the radio terribly. And I'm glad there's no footage of that day because it was a mess. <laughs> but I knew that there was something there. And I was like, I'm feeling all of these things, not just because of lockdown and the issues and protests because of the systemic racial injustices that are happening in the world and the government is terrible and all of these things that feel so heavy. That wasn't necessarily the reason as to why this project started, because there was this timing in between projects, because of what's happening in the industry, it gave me the opportunity to focus on me and to really go inward and be a bit more vulnerable. So driving around in the car, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go on the road and tell these stories. I don't care if anyone wants to hear it or not. I just need to get it out so I can get myself to the next level and move along in my career. So I raced back home, wrote it up, edited a trailer, and the next day launched the project. Crowdfunded it within 30 days, was out on the road in the next week, shot seven episodes of this season one in seven days, drove myself to every location, shot, edited, everything just very much a one-woman project. And when we're talking about, you know, not having anyone to like give you that opportunity, I fully embodied that from start to finish of this project. There's literally like not another human that you really even see until the final episode of this series. <laughs> so Hannah, tell us a little bit more just about these episodes. I know that you said, you know, you just didn't want to feel that way anymore. And you had a lot of things you wanted to say, and it's just one woman show. But what's the mission behind it for others? Because you obviously, yes, you're doing it for yourself, but others are going to be seeing this. So what do you hope to accomplish? And what should we expect from these episodes? I think the biggest thing is just raising awareness about mental health. And it's not necessarily to say that you're suffering in a great way or you're so ill that you can't function. I think just putting an importance on being well and whatever your wellness journey is, I wanted people to see what mine is and how I experienced the things that I've gone through and talk about it in a very enlightened and knowledgeable sense due to the big support I've had through therapy, getting into nature, maintaining a fitness regimen, like the things that really get me well. And I wanted to express that throughout each of the episodes. So what I did was I went to seven very beautiful locations that I had never been to before in California and each location ties into one story. Now, I kind of gave myself over to the process during it and just subconsciously and by some stroke of luck, fate, I don't know what it was, each location synced up with what story I wanted to tell. And I didn't really have the foresight and the, the mind to think about why I was going to these locations. I just gave myself over to the process. So in the first episode, I like literally and physically got lost in the middle of Joshua Tree National Park, like fell off the trail path at some point, was completely lost for about an hour with no service. And the episode title is Sorry to Keep You Waiting, but I was lost. And it was about me just feeling like I didn't know where to go and what to do in life. And you'll find that that's very well expressed throughout that brief, like six, seven minute episode, which gives it a lot of insight into how I've been feeling over the past few years. In episode three, there's a moment with a lake and I'm in the middle of Convict Lake on a kayak telling a story. Or when I suffered a great depression about losing a job and it was like my, the lowest point of my career. In episode two, I'm in the lowest point of sea level elevation in North America, down in Death Valley. And these things just lined up so right. And it felt like somehow in the universe, someone somewhere was guiding me and just allowing me to create this project in a way that made sense not only to me, but was, it felt to me that it was making sense to a, a greater scale as well. And their response has been phenomenal. I feel like 
somehow become everyone's de facto therapist in the messages that I get back from people and the stories that I've been told after I reveal certain stories about myself have just been incredible. It's moving and overwhelming. And I think everything that I've hoped to accomplish with this project up until this point has been met or far superseded. And I think that it's interesting you say about becoming people's de facto therapist, because I think that so many people just need to know that there's someone else that's in that place. I mean, it's the name of our podcast, See It to Be It. I mean, I think it applies in all things is that when you see others and you say, okay, well, wait a minute, if she got through that, then I could too, because we're similar. Who knew that this person who is on TV or on the radio, and I think they have this perfect life, well, they have this, well, maybe I can overcome that. And I think we learn so much from each other. So Melinda, I'm so glad that you said it like that, because I think that's a big thing for me that reverberated throughout this series. And even during the last few years of my career, like I said, I execute my job to a high level. You will never not know like what I'm going through. Like I, you'll see professionalism through and through when I'm on camera, when I'm on the radio, when I'm talking, DJing, whatever that is. But I was hiding all of these things that were making me feel so anxious and down for many, many years. But the messages I would get back from people back then were, oh, you have the coolest job in the world. And yes, I do. I can say that I talk to great musicians and athletes and celebrities, and there's no cooler job to me in the world than this because I'm doing what I love to do. But people only see those 30 seconds of an interview in, in TV time. They don't see the other 23 hours and, you know, 59 minutes of the day that is work, that is anxiety, that is fueled by what's happening next. And so for me, I wanted to put that out there. That's like, yes, I can do my job and I can be great at what I'm doing, but I want you to know more about me because there's so much more than the little sliver of time that you get to see and that I choose that you get to see by virtue of, I can post like a really great little snippet on my Instagram, but you didn't see me crying before I got on camera two minutes ago. You know what I mean? So it's it's opening up and just being more vulnerable and showing a different side that, that I'm really happy I get to express to the audience. Yeah, that's super cool. You know, it is interesting because, of course, you know, you talk about, you know, starting this, obviously you started during a pandemic, which, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. added that extra layer. I think it's an extra layer for everyone. I was having a discussion with a friend of mine. I mean, I am so lucky to say, like, I can't really, I've had hard things and I've been sad, but I I can't say I've ever felt depressed. Mm -hmm. And I've had a few days where I'm just like, what is this? It's a terrible feeling. And in a way, I'm sort of glad I'm experiencing some of this because it helps have empathy. And I think a lot of this is brought on by just the anxiety that we all feel from the pandemic, but just really being able to just understand that a little bit better. People are going through a really, really hard time now. And people who are extroverts and out there and doing things and happy like me, I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, if you don't get me out of this house, I'm going to kill somebody. I feel you. Like I said, there was a good part of time where like I was on the road 10, almost 11 months out of the year and to like every, have everything come to a halt was just like, oh, so we're not going to a music festival. I'm just hosting it from this corner of my apartment today. <laughs> it was definitely a different mindset and a way of thinking. But like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have time, kind of rest, relax, reset the mind and, and be able to work on a project like this that comes from a more passionate side of, of myself that people don't typically get to see. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I just want to jump back a little bit to your growing up. You told us your story and obviously early on, you sort of knew what you wanted to do and really focused. Yeah. You also talked about living in a super small farm town. So tell us just a little bit about how that influenced you and were you just ready to break out of there or did you feel like you had support in that community? How did that shape you? 
It was so small. I often make the joke that I had cows as neighbors, which is not far from the truth. Like we didn't live on a farm, but like two houses down was a farm and cows and pigs. And just, it was very much small farming country, hard workers, like nose to the grindstone. And I do think I got a lot of my hard work ethic, not only from being raised in, in that kind of state of the world, but also just my family, they're very hard workers as well. But I also knew from a very early age that that's not anything that I wanted for my life and in growing up, whether that was in my personal life or professional career. I need to bust out of here. I need to break out as soon as possible. That's why as soon as I left college, which interestingly enough was only about 30 minutes drive away from where I grew up, I couldn't wait to get out. So I had a job in New York lined up even before I graduated with my degree. So I was ready to get out and I was going to do anything I could to not stay in that same area. Well, as we wrap up, I'd just love to have our listeners get to know a little bit more about you so you can give me some of your quick answers on these questions. So what does your morning routine look like? Oh, I like cartwheel out of bed. I'm such a morning person. I like jump out of bed, maybe have like one or two sips of coffee, and then I'm working out straight away. I'm, I'm a person who has to get like a good sweat in before the day begins. If I wait till the end of the day to work out, my entire willpower for the day has been expended because I run on such high energy. So first thing in the morning, even before now, like I think you can tell I kind of like just got out of the shower right before this. I uh, was working out like crazy, big run, lots of squats and lunges today. So fitness is definitely the thing that I start my day off with. Yeah, sounds like you don't need coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably yeah. not. So what are you currently reading or listening to? I've been listening to the Pop Smoke album, which is like, you look at me and you're like, this girl, she listened to this? Absolutely. It's a great piece of work. Absolutely love it. Also, there's this young artist called Ryan Beatty. He's got some amazing music to kind of do work to. Some nice background music as well, too. So I really run the gamut of, of sights and sounds when it comes to my audio file listening in my headphones. Awesome. And what's one thing you can't live without? Probably my phone, and I hate to say it. I mean, I love it, and I curse it all the same, and especially during the pandemic and being able to connect with people. Like, I love technology, and it connects us, but at the same time, I definitely reached a point where I was like, I cannot look at a FaceTime call anymore. Like, it's just, I want to see real humans. I want to touch. I want to hug. So I bless it, and I curse it all in the same breath, but definitely can't live without it. No, I hear you. Well, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you or follow you on social. And Sure. On Instagram is easiest. I'm pretty full on out there. If I'm not posting content about the Sorry to Keep You Waiting series, it's a lot of bikini and fitness pics. Um, uh, it's at Hannah Rad, or also you can follow the official Instagram. It's at Sorry to Keep You Waiting. And the two is the number two. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing so openly and just excited for everything that you're doing and out in LA and your new series. So we will definitely be watching to see what you do next. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much, Melinda. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week and check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.